What is up and welcome to episode 115 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley. This is take two because a minute into my last episode or the first version of 115, my daughter uh, pulled the plug out of our modem. So we have a special guest on the line still. We had to call him back. We have Stephen Milley. Uh, we're going to get this one through here. But we're going to get farther than a minute into this one, Stephen. So thanks for joining us again for our Steven podcast. from RailScale Models. Stephen Milley is from rail-scale-models.com, RailScale Models. So thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> again. Sure. I'm glad you got to say that twice. Now we feel real yeah. special. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's – um. Uh, we uh, we've been trying to get you on the show for quite a while here. Uh, I wanted to get you on a couple times before. It either didn't work right for you or didn't work right for us. And we had the holidays and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, and then you were busy. You were up at, um, at at Springfield, were you not? Yeah, Springfield and Timonium. A couple of oh, times since we talked about getting me onto the show. Oh, that's um, right. Yep. Yeah, running around. Yeah, that's uh. Yes, it's, you've been pretty busy, and you got a lot of new stuff up your sleeves, and and uh, we're, we're really anxious to talk to you about all this that's going on. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, uh, how you got started in model rivering again. Sure, I'll uh, I'll go through the <laughs> short version. Okay. <laughs> so you know, like any of us, we grow up as kids. We've got the model railroad stuff, the model train stuff. Um, in the seventies, I had HO scale stuff that my, my mom was able to, uh, to buy for me when, when I was a young kid, but most of my model railroading at that time was just, you know, setting some track up on the carpet and running the train around in a circle. Uh, nothing too major, but a friend of mine who was also kind of interested in it, um, knew of a guy who had a big model railroad layout in his basement and we would go, go over there and, and check it out from time to time. But that's kind of how I got the interest into it. Uh, you know, like most of us, we get away from it when we go into high school and college and whatnot. And so um, that happened to me, too. It gets packed up in boxes. And yeah. but when I graduated from college and, and moved to, to Michigan, I started to kind of get interested in the, the hobby again. I started attending some of the local model railroad shows, um, just started getting back into um, into the hobby. Um I don't know, nothing major though. You know, I read magazines and I built my first model railroad layout in the basement of my condo in Michigan. It was just a simple, uh, what was it, five foot by nine foot tabletop layout. Uh, didn't get very far with it because then eventually we moved away from Michigan and I, I tore that thing down and, and we moved to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I started getting more and more into the hobby in the last dozen years or so when I moved to North Carolina, I got pretty heavily involved with our local division of the NMRA over there in Raleigh, North Carolina. And that's really where I started to, to build some layouts. I used to um, host our, our raffle layout build for the local division over there. We would build a layout every year out of donated items and, and we would sell raffle tickets. And that was one of our fundraisers. Oh, that's cool. So I hosted that. Yeah, it was very cool. I hosted that in my garage, um, and then later I had a workshop space. I did that for like eight or nine years, um, but that's really where I got to practice, you know, like um, track work and building structures and scenery. You get to practice sure. it without, um, you know, putting a lot of investment into your own layout. 
And then oh, we, yeah. would, we would sell raffle tickets and give the layout away and do another one the next year. So that was always fun to do. Oh, yeah. So what um, what got you into craftsman modeling as a modeler? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously you do the kits. I mean, you, you sell kits and you make craftsman kits. But obviously that you had to have done that and built them before you decided to get into that part of it. What, you know, when, when was that? Yeah, that, I think that's, um, you know, like, like most folks in the hobby, we tend to gravitate towards a certain niche of the hobby that we like. And yeah. I remember in Michigan when I would go to the train shows and I used to see the, the micro scale craftsman kits and mm-hmm. blue boxes. Yeah. And I always had an interest in those. And they always kind of fascinated me, but I wasn't, I had no idea what was in the box. I had no idea what $250 was going to buy me. (laughs) And, but I started, uh, you know, kind of looking more into it. And then I discovered fine scale miniatures and then I discovered uh, South river and Sierra West. So I really started to kind of, kind of get into it more just by researching and doing, you know, um, looking at what people were doing online. And then I went to my first um, craftsman structure show up in Massachusetts. The very first year they offered that show, oh, I traveled okay. over to that show. The Expo. And, and that, yeah, the Expo. Mm-hmm. Well, the original name was the Craftsman Structure Show back in, who knows, right. when, a dozen years ago or whatever. Sure. Um, and so that was, you know, when you really get great exposure into some of the best modelers in the in the world go to that show. Oh, and, absolutely. So, um, so anyway, I kind of gravitated towards that part of the hobby, and um, I guess I'll I'm embarrassed to say I'm a I'm a bit of a collector, um, <laughs> so I have a pretty extensive collection. Uh, I won't get into details on what that looks like because it's a little embarrassing. That's not, you know what? Uh, it happens to a lot of a lot of. Uh, <laughs> we all have we our. We all have intentions. Yep. To say when we first do it, we're like, I think I'm gonna. I, I'm not gonna be one of those guys. I'm not gonna be one of those guys. I'm mm-hmm. gonna get the kit. I'm gonna build the kit, and then you get another kit while you're building that kit, and mm-hmm. then you start working the next kit, and you've got three more in the back now waiting. <clears throat> or you and, get a side project going, going, you know, right. or life gets in the way, and. <laughs> They keep piling up. Steven, have you ever been in the same situation? I'm sure to everyone listening, and we have as well, is where you you tell yourself like, "Oh, I'm not. I'm going to hold off collecting, or you know, I got a lot to do." And then you you purchase a couple kits, but then you get down in your basement or your storage area, and you start looking around, and you realize you're digging up kits you you forgot you had. You're like, "Oh man, <laughs> I I forgot I even bought this one." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the safest way to avoid that is I just don't buy any anymore. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so a funny story. A funny story about that is so we just moved this past summer from Raleigh over to Western North Carolina, and I had to pack everything and move it. And so that was part of the kind of the revelation I had that I need to quit buying some of it. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to move this stuff, you realize how much of it there is. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, but I've got you know I've got all the great kits from all the great manufacturers, and I I really enjoy kind of the old classics that you know some people will say they're unbuildable, but they're cool to have and yeah, 
you know, I'm not afraid to try to build some of these things. And yeah, they're not unbuildable. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what people say, but you just got to put some time and effort to it. Sure, sure. I mean, I I, I just did an FSM kit this summer, and um, you know, it was one of those ones. You know, it was Baxters, and it, take, it was a lot of stuff. I mean, it was a lot of little yeah. it was six different buildings on a diorama, and you know, and but and I thought to myself when I first opened it up, I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna take me how you know forever. Brett, you built one. What was that one you just did? The um, the builders and scale. Builders and scale. Yeah. Assassin vinegar um, works. Yeah. Right, and we we picked them up and we're like, oh my gosh, these boxes weigh a million pounds, and they got a lot of parts. And look at all the detail parts I'm gonna have to paint, and uh, it's uh, it's gonna be years to do it. Next thing you know, you're you're at the end of it. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was way faster than I thought. But um, yeah, they're they're doable. You're, you're just gonna have to invest a lot of time. That's just it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some people don't have that. But um, uh, no. and just for the record, no one's ever told me that a fine scale miniatures kit was unbuildable. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've never heard that. Never heard that. Okay, good. Um, Not about so, an FSM kit. <laughs> now, um, so um, what? When did you decide? Well, no, before we get into that, uh, as a modelers that you have, the other modelers that are out there. You mentioned going to the to the the first what we call the expo now, um, right. and you know, obviously there were some big names there, and there's probably people that influenced mm-hmm. you uh, in scenery and, and structure building. Uh, who are some influencers uh, that you know that kind of pulled you that way? Well, I mean, all of the big names in, in that niche of the hobby are just fantastic modelers. I mean, you just, right. you just every one of them. I mean, I've, I've had a, I've been lucky enough to go and see George Selios's layout a couple of times. Um, you know, anything that Doug Fosco puts together is just amazing. Right. Um, but probably the person that, I became the most friendly with, you know, over the years was, was Jeff Grove at Carolina Craftsman Kit. Oh yeah. Ah, Jeff's a great know, guy. You guys know sure. Jeff. He's we a good guy. Um, yeah, he's like Uncle Jeff to and us. <laughs> and he's just, you know, super happy to, to talk with anybody about, you know, the hobby, what do they want to model. And, you know, ultimately he's, he's a, one of the primary reasons how I got into the business is just working with him. But I've known Jeff for probably close to 15 years now. And, um, you know, he's, he and I work together quite a bit now, but, mm-hmm. uh, but he's probably one of the guys that I, I started speaking with the, the most back at the early structure shows. And, mm-hmm. and got you really, yeah, he really got you going into it. So, so what, yeah. then what, from that point, um, and you were building and, and modeling and that. And then somewhere along the lines, something had to hit you and say, hey, I, yeah. I, I could be making some kits or, you know. I want to invest in a, in a laser. Yeah. <laughs> where, where did that all start Is it on the business end of things for rail scale models? Yeah. So, I mean, and that's it really did kind of happen just like that. So I'm a I'm a manufacturing engineer by education and by by career. Okay. I've been working in the manufacturing industry for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really had this interest in entrepreneurship. 
just right. never really interested me. You know, some people are like, oh, yeah, I want to run my own business. I never had that thought right. until about, I don't know, six or eight years ago. I would, you know, I explained to my wife that I really want to get to a point someday where I'm not working for somebody. I'm just working for myself. Right. And I wanted to find a way to combine my, my interest in the hobby into doing something in the hobby that would allow me to pursue an early retirement type of a job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought that I was going to try to get into building structures for people. That's where I thought I was going to go. Okay. And, uh, you know, having some conversations with Jeff at Carolina Craftsman Kits, you know, if, if you ever spoke with Jeff over the years, you always hear the same story. I'm retired. I don't want to be this busy. Um, I can't stop running uh, the laser. And so, uh, I mean, every every time I saw him, I hear the same story. Yep, He's getting mad at me for telling the story. But no, I've heard that. He so said that say, same thing on the show. Yeah, exactly. Yep, I mean, it's, yeah. I've been hearing that same story for 10 years. <laughs> so one, I kind of was thinking, all right, so I'm interested in doing something. Jeff keeps making these comments to me. So I'm going to just ask him. So I asked him, I was like, listen, Jeff, I'm interested in doing something in the hobby. Is there something that I can do to help you in your business? And so he said, well, if you're interested in getting a laser, you get yourself a laser, figure out how to use it, and I can farm some work out to you on the laser cutter. So that's kind of really where uh, my ideas of wanting to do something really turned into reality. And that was like, April and May 2016, I got my, my epilogue laser, mm -hmm. and he helped me, you know, how to learn how to use it, um, what materials do I need, and then he started uh, giving me some work to cut uh, on the laser for his kits. Right. So that's kind of where it all started. And you started right with a bang, man. Epilogue is a, is a great cutter, and... Uh, so yeah, you didn't, it is. Yeah, you jumped right into the, to the, uh, no, a prime laser cutter. I mean, and I guess you're gonna have to if you're gonna be cutting stuff for, you know, Carolina Craftsman kits. You, you obviously, he's gonna have a, he wants, a, he's gonna need a standard style cutter to, to do the job. So, yeah. Yeah, I Sorry. mean, it was a pretty heavy investment, and. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my wife has been super supportive of my ideas about getting into this, and um, we made the investment. And fortunately, four years later, I'm I'm still running the same laser, and it runs great. And uh, you know, it it took me a while before I got profitable, but you know, being an engineering um, consultant and working as an engineer over the career over my career, I've I had at least a little bit of funding available to allow me to make that investment to see if right. I can make it work out. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure, absolutely. And, and that's great that your wife is supportive and, and uh, you know, really is backing you on this. And, and uh, you know, that's obviously, uh, <laughs> that's obviously a big key to, uh, to anything in, in, in any relationship business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's sure. not just... Especially we, one that, on especially yeah. one that's going to be taking up some real estate. Um, I'm sure in your home uh, when yeah. you start out. Right. Well, that was one of the the big things in the move this summer. I was renting space uh, in a workshop for a workshop in oh, Raleigh, okay. 
And, you know, it was close to the house. It was only three miles from the house. But if I had long days, I was away from the house, mm-hmm. long hours. But when we moved to the mountains, it was very clear we wanted a space and a walkout finished basement where I could move my laser workshop into the house and I could work any hours that I wanted to and I wouldn't be getting phone calls from the wife uh, when are you coming home. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it really worked out great. I love my new space here. Um, it's uh, it's really great. Very nice. Now, and it's um, yours. So you know you're not paying rent and you have uh you you, yeah. you can walk but probably I don't know if it's attached to your house or if it's the same property but you can walk right over to your uh warmer side of the house probably if not in the workshop and uh warm up in the winter or depending on where you're at I know for here it's nice to go back in the yeah, house and warm North up North Carolina yeah, it still gets cold down there I, it does <laughs> actually I heard on the news tonight um Stephen that, that uh they said on the news around here that you, that North Carolina, they said that state specifically, will have this year more snow in the month of February than Pennsylvania. We haven't gotten much. Well, I, don't, I don't know yeah. about that. We're getting that's some what, snow that's tomorrow. We've had think, we've had an yeah. inch all year. Yep. Yeah. Well, we that's did have sad. about two or three inches a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so well, you beat, beat us. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. we get back into. Oh, yeah. uh, our yeah. our topics here. So I kind of want to go into now um, the the history of rail scale models. So yeah. you've sure. you decided I want to do that. We we kind of got off track where you're buying your laser and you're investing and 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 you. I know you wanted to set up something for yourself um, to kind of be independent. Which who doesn't? It's kind of like the American dream a little bit to have your own little hustle that you can turn into something. But uh, I kind of wanted to go into um, you've you've decided to do it. Your wife's supporting you. What were the what were like the the first couple big hurdles that you had to get through? His, his wife's not supporting him. She is supportive of him. supportive of him. Well, she's okay, supporting make, him along the way. Well, that's we what wanted I mean. to make that. We need to make that perfectly clear here. But 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 what were some <laughs> of the what were some of the hurdles? Not necessarily bad things, but what were some like of the bigger things that you had to kind of learn along the way? Because um, I know we've had a few listeners and patrons actually of our of our show um, who are also starting up newer kit companies. So um, I kind of want to hear your journey to where you're at today if, and, and some, some learning curves you had to go through? Well, I guess, you know, I'm, a, I'm an engineer and I use, I've used CAD software my entire career. Mm-hmm. I've, I've used AutoCAD for 30 years. I've always had an interest in architecture. Um, I, I, when I was in high school, I worked every summer in a construction company. So you know, I kind of had the background and some of the mindset to what it took to construct things and, you know, small structures. And then, of course, being in the hobby, you know, that, that aids to it. You know, one of the keys is is to just kind of learn the different techniques that some of these different um, suppliers or, or kit manufacturers have in their assembly techniques. Right. And then pick one that you like or, you know, pick a couple of schemes that you like and just make them, uh, make them your own. You know, there's, there's lots of different techniques that you see in some of these structure kits. 
but everybody will tend to kind of adapt it to their own style and you'll you'll actually be you can almost tell um, whose kit it is without looking at the box just by the way it goes together sometimes right oh absolutely uh, so yeah. you know i've i've learned from different kits that i've put together myself i've learned from obviously working so closely with jeff at, at carolina craftsman kits i've learned his technique so i've taken that and i've adapted it and i've made my own techniques for my own kits and i think that you know what i offer in my structure kits is is kind of my own styling that that i've adapted over the last four years as i've been doing this um but as far as lessons learned i mean you learn about what, how to cut different materials on the laser because they don't all cut the same. Um, you know, that stuff's pretty fast learned, though. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you guys got any, <laughs> any specific ideas? Because uh, I just kind of go with the flow and no, I mean, as I go. That's... That's it's just unique to your 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 style, but I think probably having an engineering background and being familiar with, yeah. um, like, you know, the the CAD programs and a lot of manufacturing processes, you were probably already a couple steps ahead of the game. Um, so it was fitting that you kind of rolled with the flow, just because you were probably already used to most of the processes in a way from your professional career. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fit pretty well, but I'll give you an example though. I mean, one of my customers who's an end scaler and I do a lot of end scale stuff just cause there's a, there's a, I get a lot of demand for it. Mm-hmm. But one of my end scale customers kind of challenged me with how come your kids don't use a tab and slot design technique? And I said, well, because that's really not how I learned it, but it gave me kind of that idea of, well, how can I use that? to help these kits go together better right? Uh, or more easily or, or whatever. And so in some cases I will use that technique. And so, you know, kind of, it kind of opened my eyes to considering another technique. And then I, I figure out where, uh, where does it apply um, to make the kit go to better, go, go together better. Yeah. Well, now I'm looking at a lot of your kits here. I actually have one on my shelf. I need to get to, uh, I actually have plans for that one, and that's the tobacco barn. Um, yeah. But you have, I noticed the kits you have, uh, they range in all different sizes and all different, um, you know, uh, cost range. So you cover just about every person's style or or every person's, um, you know, economy level. Or, you know, so if, you know, if you're a a beginner starting into it, you know, you're going to, you, or an entry level person, you have kits for those people. And if you want to get into something, you know, a really, really well, you know, involved, uh-huh. uh, there, there's several of those that are, that are out there that you have as well, but you have a lot of, what I love about your stuff is you have a lot of medium range priced kits that have a ton of character and detail um, as far as unique roofing or, or, or not roofing, but detail parts. Yeah. For yeah, roofs, yeah. Detail, yeah. Or yeah. Like detail features. So you have, um, right. you know, and I, I'm sure that comes from your background in engineering as well, but you know, your roof lines are very unique and uh, you know, so that you offer structures that I don't see in a lot of, 
in in the, the 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 norm, you know, which is good because I guess that's what you have to have. But uh, yeah, now what well, do you draw think, your inspiration think, for buildings? Yeah, so that's exactly where I wanted to go to. So, you know, I don't have a tremendous number of structure kits that I've I've designed and, and put out there on my own because I, I we'll get into this I'm sure, but because of the rusty stumps detail business mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We'll get into that later. But quite honestly, I just haven't had a tremendous amount of time towards designing and putting out structure kits. So I don't have a huge quantity. Right. And, um, but the ones that I, most of the ones that I have, especially the HO scale ones, almost all of them come from somebody bringing me an idea saying, hey, can you make a kit out of this? Right. And I'm like, sure, okay, no problem. You know, the tobacco barn came from a guy over in the Raleigh area who I was um, active with in the local division of the NMRA. He said, you should do a tobacco barn. So I did some research on what a tobacco barns look like and whatnot, and I came up with that design. Um, You know, the same case is for the Boone Warehouse, the one one of my more recent ones. Uh Um, A guy from grew up in Boone, North Carolina. Uh, had a picture of, of this structure that actually stood until about six or eight months ago, and it just got torn down. And he said, hey, can you make a kit out of this? Uh, okay, sure. Uh, the Mill Village Company House, that was one of my first kits that I did. We were doing a, a layout based, uh, themed on uh, Edenton, North Carolina. Remember the, the raffle layouts I was talking about? Mm-hmm. Sure. We did a theme layout on Edenton, North Carolina, which had a big cotton mill and it had a, a mill village and all that kind of stuff. And this house was, was taken from that prototype um, company house. I have, I have one um, question. Um, it's, yeah. it's easily my most, I'm most interested in this kit of all your kits. And I got to ask about it. And I might pronounce the first word wrong, but the Husco, Huskow jailhouse. Okay, so now you're getting into into the rusty stumps. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we can touch that. We can touch on that a little bit if you want to jump back to that later. Yeah, because I mean th- that's a big part of kind of the the, the business development, if you will, okay. rail scale models. Was the, yeah, we'll the get back to the that. Okay, business. I was just—it's an interesting little building, and it, when you were going through some of your other yeah. ones, and, and that one when I was scrolling through earlier today stuck out. To me, I'm One like, of my favorites that I see here is his Haphazards Hardware mm-hmm. and Feed. And uh, I love the design work on it. It's got it's got its it's like a barn with a storefront of a and garage. A... And I, I just love the style and the neatness of it. The, the, that's one of the ones I was talking about with the roof line. Yeah. Uh, it's got yeah. All, a variety that just I love that. Because it's you know, that's where people need to you know, look at, at kits and go, wow, this is this is where yeah, there's know, a, this is going to stand out and it's going to pop on my layout if I try and build something like this. Plus, and, you're going to get... And the one thing I wanted to emphasize is a, a lot of your kits, um, like the Boone Warehouse and uh, um, some of the other ones that repeat are the... Uh, look like the Tobacco Barn N-Scale, um, the... Bergen's flower, feed and seed, those are seen through multiple scales. The branch line engine house. Um, our listeners are listening in. Some of them do N scale, some of them do HO, some do O, a few do S. A lot right. of these kits transcend through the different scales. 
Yeah, we're um, just selfishly looking at the Asian scale <laughs> yeah. ones right now. But but you you do you do also the, do those designs in all the other scales, correct? Or most of them? A number of them. Some of them. So a, a number of the N scale kits. This is goes some to my um, my working relationship with Jeff at Carolina Craftsman Kits. Right. He suggested at one time that I do some of his kits in N scale mm-hmm. because he was getting requests for them. And he had no interest in doing N scale, so he suggested that I do them in N scale. So we came up to an agreement on about that. And so many of the kits that you see in N scale on my website are are originally Carolina Craftsman kit design. Gotcha. And that I've adapted to N scale, and I you know I adjust the design, I build them up, and whatnot. Um, the ones that you see in multiple scales, like the tobacco barn, the speeder and oil shed, the boon warehouse, those are my designs. So you'll see those in, in multiple scales. Okay. Right. Okay. But, I mean, the, the N scale ones are, are fantastic yeah, we have, looking kits. And we have a few listeners I know that always bug us about um, trying. I mean, we do a lot with larger scales, HO and larger. So a lot of our listeners will be happy to hear that. You do have a good selection of uh, laser cut and scale structure kits, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, our our and, listeners and they, sell, they sell well. Yeah, they're oh, good they're price bad. too. I bet because so. how many? There's not a lot of laser cut. I don't see a lot of laser cut and scale stuff out there. There's a couple that do it, but in structures, but there are. You know, this many. one, but these, but the, you know. This just adds to the variety. Look at at Bergen's. These people need to get on here and check check out (laughs) Bergen's flower and feed. We get all excited when we see this stuff and we start. I mean, that would be a large N scale structure for N scale. So it's a very large N scale structure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's great. Uh, It's a great structure. That one came from Jeff at Carolina Craftsman Kids. He did it in HO scale. It Um, has a Jeff. I don't. don't (laughs) Yeah, it does. And, you know, and I don't take his designs and just scale them down. I recreate the design. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then, you know, um, I do all my work in AutoCAD, and, and Jeff uses another software for his. Um, and I can work in – I work in about three different softwares, but I prefer to work in AutoCAD just because I'm, I'm faster in that. So I'll recreate these designs, and uh, I'll start more or less from scratch with just – the general dimensions of the uh, and look of the structure that, mm-hmm. that Jeff allows me to do in end scale. Now, with your laser cutting, this we're not just talking about structures that you're making as well. I mean, huh. you're you're doing, you know, uh, you're also doing windows and doors and walls. shingles yeah. and walls and are the and walls are the walls are laser cut right? Like your stone cut, walls. your stone wall sheets and bricks. Yep. Okay. Yep, that's all laser engraved, um, you know, 3D textured laser engraved sheets, yes. Very cool. So that kind of gets into kind of, you know, the development of rail scale models. Yeah. I got to say, that was that was the biggest, you know, to date anyway, um, the biggest change in, in rail scale models as a business was when I started talking to, um, to Walt at Rusty Stumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I had heard that he was going to, he wanted to sell the laser cut business. You know, and for me, you know, my interest in running a business was running the laser. You know, I like to work in CAD programs. I like to run the, the laser. Or I like to, to run a business. And for me, it, it, it seemed like a perfect fit. Um, 
you know, I may not be the best structure builder in the world, but I can run the laser and run a business all day long. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I started talking with Walt at Rusty Stumps and Walt's a great guy. I don't know if you guys know him. We, I haven't, I, I, met, I haven't I, met him. Yeah. I haven't met him, but I know of him. Yeah. He's a trip. He's a character. Uh, <laughs> I've really enjoyed knowing Walt. And we and bought so, his products you know, his too. Interest, yeah. yeah. I mean, his, his interest was he, you know, he wasn't, out to get the most money he could get for selling the business. He was looking for somebody who was going to carry on the business because the commitment to laser cut windows and shingles and fencing and uh, windows and doors and so many things that he was offering, uh, carrying that on is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. And uh, that, that, acquisition, if you will, um, completely changed the real scale models business because I got, you know, the publicity of with that sale, all the customers that, that went to rusty stumps for all those items. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to take that on. And that's why you don't see as many structure kits coming out of real scale models is because I'm too busy cutting windows and doors and roofing shingles. <laughs> But, and, and, and that's great. I mean, and, and like, once again, we talked about the availability of end scale. Uh, we love, of course, we, we love the HS stuff too, but the end scale that Brett was mentioning is, is um, you know, now you can get your end scale laser cut windows and doors and wall pieces. Um, you, know, you, can scratch in build, my opinion, you can scratch build a bunch can, of stuff yeah. using this, yeah. Yeah. And brick sheeting, I have not seen, when I go to shows and things like that, I have not seen any laser cut end scale brick sheeting out there and laser cut wood or and or much laser cut anything in end scale as far as windows and doors and such. Um, it, it just, yeah. You don't see it at the shows. And uh, it's awesome that you have it. I mean, it's, it's uh, and people need to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Definitely do that so we kind of got into the um the business side of this a little bit um and it's funny i heard you say something key that when we started the podcast you said you weren't too sure about how you know much of the uh idea of running a business you were you you know you weren't too sure about the idea of running a business when you figured on starting this and then uh, when right before you said about the acquisition of uh, Ru- um, Rusty Stumps, you had then mentioned something about you enjoyed the f- you enjoyed the idea of running a business that you loved to work in, and you liked to do the CAD work, and you liked to do the cutting. And it was just funny to hear the transition from when you first started to when you started to acquire Rusty uh, Rusty Stumps. Um, how you've kind of then now fallen in love. I'm I'm guessing with what you do. So. Uh, yeah. It was cool to hear that those two lines kind of in the beginning, and then now that you're into it a little deeper, uh, you're now enjoying that part of it. So now that we're into that, do you want to kind of talk about the newer news that you have? Or, um, Is that you... the, R- the RDA business? Yes. Yeah. So Railway Design Associates, that's the, that's the latest acquisition. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I... Jeff and I are, are pretty good friends, and I gotta I gotta uh, put the blame on him. He was <laughs> telling me about RDA for probably a year, 
they're interested in selling, Steve. You should talk to them. And I'm like, I, I, I can't get into that. How am I going to get into something else, you know? <laughs> um, and then finally it was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll talk to them. So Railway Design Associates, they do, the plas- they do plastic injection molded structure kits, primarily in HO scale, but there is some history there where they did some O-scale stuff and some N-scale stuff. Uh, but they're mostly known for their HO scale structures. Uh, very New Englandy, uh, lots of stone and brick type structures. And they they've been doing kits for 30 years. Um, Rod Guthrie was the founder of the company. He passed away about 10 years ago, and his family was continuing the business. His mm-hmm. wife and two sons, and they've just gotten to a point where their life has gone in different directions and they just couldn't continue to, to manage the, the business and they were looking for a buyer. So my interest is, is one is I, I thought they had, they always had cool structure kits. I, I have many of their kits and I, I like the look of them, mm-hmm. but what I was looking for and what was, what was interesting to me is I saw an opportunity to kind of broaden my customer base because not all craftsman kit folks, um, are going to buy plastic injection molded kits. Right. Not all plastic injection molded kit um, customers are, are going to get into Craftsman. Right. But what I saw is the opportunity to kind of expand my customer base if I had both. Mm-hmm. And well, so that's why I was interested. And then the other thing is that it doesn't take any capacity off my laser, and yet I can offer a whole other range of products. Right. Well, I will tell you one thing, and I'm going to be on Jeff's boat here. Um, I've been advocating for the RDA kits. Um, we're not a huge – we haven't done many plastic kits on our layout or um, on our show, really. We haven't talked about many of them. But if there was one that I had to recommend, if anyone could get their hands on, and this was even prior to uh, – this is – you can go back through old episodes and, and, and hear me talking about this. I loved – the art I love I have a I have two or three of their kits um I did I bought two Delaney Ironworks and I kind of bashed them together mm-hmm. and I also yep. bought the oh, there's another one I the name is the name slips my mind but it's another one of their stone factories and um man the the detail on those plastic parts is just incredible um and the yeah they're they're really nice and the cost wasn't even you know, you know, you could pick them up off the RDA, the old RDA site, really reasonably. So, uh, yeah. I just figured the value and the detail that you got from them and the quality was amazing compared to a lot of other plastic structure kits that kind of get a bad rap for simplicity. So, um, mm-hmm. man, I was a big advocate for them for quite some time before we even heard that you were acquiring them. Yeah, so I'll, let me just talk kind of what my idea is. Okay, okay this yeah. Is through some of my conversations with Jeff is, you know, some of the some of the things that people complain about with plastic kits is that the details in the windows are not fine enough. Um, I don't like the plastic roofing shingles, you know, the plastic molded roofing shingles. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's perfect. I can fix all that with my laser cut parts. So my idea is, to offer what I'm going to call um, laser cut accessory packs where you can buy the standard kit for $25, $30 or whatever it is. And then if you want to get get, uh, a set of windows that are 
a finer detail laser cut window and then add on to that some some laser cut roofing shingles here's a little packet that you can buy on the side for another 10 or 12 dollars ah. and now you've got kind of a you know a craftsman's level quality structure kit but if you still like doing you know the plastic uh, wall assemblies you can still do that right kind of so like a, I think we all know that um, I think we all know that plastic kits can be can look just as good as any craftsman structure definitely. kit with the right painting technique. Definitely, Ab- absolutely. Painting and yep. a little weathering can make go a long way right. with with any kit. Um, yeah, but I kind of like I like that idea. You're kind of doing a little bit of a. Uh, you ever you remember the old MTV show uh, like Pimp My Ride? You're doing a little bit of that with the plastic yeah. kits where you can order just, I mean, and you can do the basic version or for a yeah. few dollars. I like that. You can, you can order some craftsman parts to it. And, um, instead of doing the one big piece, that's a roof that has all the detail parts pressed or molded into the roof, you can get a, a shingle package and do some laser cut shingles on the roof. I love it. Now yeah. I have a question on the injection, injection molded plastic. Is that something? Is that a process that you had to learn to do? Is that something you're going to have to? You, you have the equipment. You bought the equipment for it, and you're ready to do injection molded plastic. What's the production <laughs> like of that? Is there a learning curve for you on that? Do you... Well, so that was one of the biggest unknowns as I got into this. Is well, who's who's doing the injection molding? It turns out that they had a partner that um, was is running an injection molded business. Up in up in Massachusetts, and they've been doing it for the 30 years that they were in business. So that they know the they know the molds, they know the dyes, they take care of them. And so for now, oh, I'm sweet. continuing to use those folks. And uh, you know, I went to visit them. I've seen them twice now in person, mm-hmm. and I have confidence that that they're going to keep me in in good shape um, as I get into this. Oh, that's awesome. That is really that's pretty cool. Well, I for one yeah, can't I, wait. I know enough about. Yeah, I am. Um, so one of the ones that I've been working on, which is really taking quite a bit of my time just because it's a big endeavor, I'm taking their roundhouse. And their roundhouse is a, it's a stone roundhouse, and it's, it's almost like a modular approach. And uh, it's a three-stall roundhouse. But the floor and the subfloor and the roof was kind of needed some work. So I've re- completely redesigned and re-engineered the floor structure, the roof structure. All the windows and, and doors are now replaced with laser-cut windows and doors. And I- I'm offering that as – it's not done yet, but I'm going to offer that as kind of a newly designed um, stone roundhouse. Yeah. But then I'm also going to offer expansion bays so that – hey, if you want a five-stall roundhouse, you buy two expansion bays, and they plug right in like a puzzle. The floor is, is cut like a puzzle, so they yeah. just drop right into place. And then, um, so you can buy as many expansion packs as you want. Oh, that's So that's cool. one thing that I've got myself into. Um, it's, not, it's not released yet, but I know I've got some people waiting for it, so I need to get that finished up. Now, um, yeah. Back to real quick, we go back to uh, Rusty Stumps, uh, and I yeah. know you started doing the laser cut stuff with it as well. Are you also doing Rusty Stumps? Uh, um, 
he he had resin castings and such. Are you doing that as well, or? So so no, let's talk about rusty stem. So I started out uh, with just the laser cut details part of the business. Okay. And geez, that's like almost three years ago now. And I did I took that on, and that was great. And then he contacted me uh, eight or nine months later and said, Steve, I'm done with the craftsman kits. I, I don't have time to do the craftsman kits anymore. You want to take those on too? And so I said, yeah, sure. So I took those on uh, two years ago, roughly. And that's where you see some of those other structure kits you were talking about. Uh, gotcha. Bill, mm-hmm. um, Haphazards was a Rusty Stumps kit. Right. All those kits that were on the, the, the wharf um, kind of waterfront scene. Right. So those all those production kits are now kind of in my portfolio. Um, and then, which also includes some of his, his stick-built kits. Yeah. Like the Tie Hacker's Cabin was a popular one. So I've got that one. Uh, the water tower, uh, some other miscellaneous things, but those are those are ones that uh, I have on my list of things to do is to um, to get those un- under the real scale model's name. I am kind of going through all the assembly instructions, and I'll be kind of remastering those and rebranding everything. Um, so uh, I'm taking those one at a time. It's a lot of work. All this oh, stuff sure. is a lot of work. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, and that, that's cool. You really expanded it out. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, that's 15 years worth of kit development on at Rusty Stumps that has dropped on me, and I'm, you know, I'm trying yeah. to, uh, to to revamp it, if you will. That, that's that's pretty awesome. And um, now, is it is uh, obviously this is consuming a lot of your time. Has this become more of a full time? Is this a full time thing for you, or? So yeah, it, it's a full-time side business. Right. I do. Um, I do occasionally have to work for my day job. Yeah. Um, hopefully the <laughs> hopefully my employer is not listening to the podcast. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I work. I work part time uh, for an right. engineering company, and when they say you need to go somewhere for a job, then I go right. somewhere and, and sure. the right. real model stuff will will sit on the side burner until I get home. Right. Um, right, but it's okay. It's worked out pretty well. Those guys know that I'm doing this on the side, yeah. Uh, but they also know that that I'm at their um, I'm at their mercy for whatever job they need to put me on. Sure. So when you're home, uh, a lot of your evenings are consumed with doing getting uh, a lot of your work done with this with this yeah. part of the business. Seven days, seven days a week. Wow, that's a that's and that's incredible. tough too when you're away, uh, and then you have to come back. And catch up on work that I'm guessing happened to come in when you were gone. And, you know, we kind of feel the same way. Ours is content-based, but we do a lot of the same thing where uh, pretty much five to six days a week we're working on content, where it's a show or it's whatever it is we're doing, videos or blog posts. And uh, it's a little different type of work, but uh, it it never ends because we both have day jobs as well. So. Uh, fielding questions, <laughs> and emails. And, yeah, we get a lot and, of questions, but but it's the right. same thing. So it's a labor of love where you you are so passionate about it that you need to, you know, dedicate some time to it when you're not doing your daytime job that's putting food on the table, um, your primary job. But you know you still have to dedicate a bunch of time to it. So we get it. Yeah. 
Well, I guess one of the parts that I really enjoy about the real scale models business is the custom work that I do. Uh-huh. Uh, I do custom windows and doors. I do custom structures. Uh, so do you do that? I do the design work. Do you do a lot of that by okay. request? Like people will, people yeah. will send you a message like, Hey, uh, here's a structure I'm, I'm looking to build. Um, can you, can you hear some measurements? Can you work with this on the, with me on this? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Um, I, I take requests. Uh, I can work from photographs, architectural drawings, sketches, you know, whatever it is. And then we just kind of go back and forth on the design part of it. Right. And then there's some cases where people have done the design work themselves and they just need somebody to help them with the laser cutting. So it really varies. Right. Um, so sure. I got to ask you, you a question. I got part of the. Yeah, oh, no, no. no. Sure, you, go ahead. I was just going to say, I got to ask you a fun question, um, just out of curiosity, because I, I worked for, um, until recently, I worked most of my life in the um, construction and remodeling field. And while I did a lot of IT and digital work for them, I learned some little tips and tricks just by being in the industry for like 10 to 12 years. Um, when you're working from a photograph to cut a uh say i sent you a photograph but i didn't have any measurements of it it's an old photo that i have from my great-grandfather of an old house um but i want you to laser cut it what are you using as a reference to um determine the height and scale of most items that you're going to be cutting so, you know, there's different ways you can do it. And it's funny because I do clinics on this sometimes yeah. at, at some of the conventions. Um, you know, it depends on what, what the structure is made of. Uh-huh. If it's a clabbered-sided structure, then you can count clabbards. Uh-huh. And typically, they're going to be about five inches of exposure. You can estimate the size of a window or a door uh-huh. and scale it from there. If it's a brick structure, you can count bricks, both um, you know horizontally and vertically, and get a, an idea for the size of the structure that way. Okay. Uh, I know there's some software that'll do this for you, but I don't have any issues just estimating it, gotcha, and then translating it into a scale design, and then it just you just need to look at it and see if it looks right. Right. Does it look in proportion to what the photo looks like? Is it pass the, right. Does it pass the um, eye test? Exactly. So, so I was only curious about that because a lot of our um, estimators and stuff would use the uh, the uh, standard size door as a mm-hmm. scale. And I know if you're working yep. with an older structure, the door might be a different height of varying you know varying sizes. But for the most part, doors are a pretty standard height, even within the last you know couple you know going back through the mid 20th century, doors are pretty much a standard height. Uh, so you can use that as a pretty good reference. So I was just interested, uh, more from an industry side, uh, how you were able to be, how you were able to estimate a scale. But yeah, that, most of that makes sense. I didn't even think about counting bricks. That makes sense because like a red brick, <laughs> yeah. a red Sometimes brick, a red brick's pretty much but probably is, pretty standard. But well, actually, that's the surprising part is you'll Uh-oh. find that there are lots of different sized bricks <laughs> and. Um, you know, I've counted bricks and then look at it, and I'm way off. I'm like, this is not the right size, <laughs> and it's because uh, you'll get you'll get ten by two and a half inch bricks or eight and a half by two and a half inch bricks. Right. Um, they're they tend to vary. Huh. 
Well, I learned but, something. So just to kind of to follow up on this custom stuff. So that's part of the business and the hobby, I guess, that I really enjoy a lot is is taking these these ideas that people have and helping them turn it into a real structure, a scale structure. Um, but unfortunately, that's also the part, the first part that I have to kind of put on the back burner is because I'm so busy running orders off the website and, um, you know, I cut for half a dozen other manufacturers. Uh, it's just, it, it keeps me really busy. So unfortunately I've, I've got a long backlog of, of structure designs that, that are sitting out there. And we talked about traveling on the road and that's actually where I get the most of my design work done is when I'm sitting in the hotel room at night away <laughs> from the laser, I can do design work. Oh, that's great. And then, now you were saying how you cut for, you know, other manufacturers. And um, yeah. and I noticed that that seems to be a common theme. I, I To a particular, I know that Jeff has done it for other people. I know you have done it for Jeff and other people as well. Um, I know Kenny Crump also has done some for other people. And uh, you may yeah. have done some for Kenny, for all I know. Um, I know how busy he gets with his jobs. And... Uh, but you know, I think that's a pretty unique thing in this hobby. Uh, we talked about this with the, with them as well. Those two in particular, uh, how um, everybody is seems to want to help the others. It's not the animosity you get with uh, not animosity. I would guess competitiveness, and that you get with other industries. Um, where you know this person's trying to outdo this person. You know, obviously, you want to you want to be the guy that's doing the most sales. Who who isn't that guy? <laughs> you know, it's business, okay. But um, you're not out there. It's not it's not very cutthroat. And everybody gets along. Mm-hmm. Everybody's friends. They work with each other. They offer suggestions. Yeah, I mean, if one of them is in trouble. They need some help, pe- or they're behind and they need help. There's periods, works there's periods of time where we've seen, you know, certain manufacturers have life events and they, they, right. you know, life gets in the way and they fall behind with things because they're trying to take care of families or things happen to their house. And it seems like it's really cool because a lot of other manufacturers will step in and, and cut for them and help them, help them along. And it's, it's cool to see that. And I know talking with you when we met you uh, at Timonium, um, you had said that you know, you do that. You do a lot of that as well. So that's that's pretty cool that everyone kind of is able to step in like that. Yeah, I think um, in most cases the folks that I cut for don't have a laser. Okay. But they just they want to be able to offer some products, um, which you know that works out perfectly for my business model because I, I like to run the laser and I like to run the business. Sure. And, um, you know, I there are half a dozen of my customers that want to offer craftsman structure kits, don't want to make the investment into the laser. Uh, some of them do their own design work and some of them don't. Right. So, you know, I'll work with them on whatever they're comfortable or capable of doing and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll help them uh, with the rest of it. And then, you know, my model is the more stuff I can have my fingers in, the better off I am as a business as a whole. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, so it works out. It works out as a win-win situation for for both me and for the folks that are looking for the help. Yeah. Well, speaking of shows, we were talking about shows. How we saw you at Timonium and, and such. And one mm-hmm. of the big things that 
I noticed was that you had your hands in making uh, the Craftsman Courtyard we had in November, in the end of October, I guess it was. Yes, that um, was a success. It was, and, and uh, you were a big part of making that happen, I know, um, and the organizational part of making the Craftsman Courtyard happen. Um, and we ha- we came and set up, and we had a ball doing it. I mean, there wasn't a time where I was talking to Jeff on the show here about a month ago, and we were discussing this very thing. Now, uh, I will have- say we had a lot of fun because we were building the whole time, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be, yeah. Building but and talking. Wasn't, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a time where we didn't have people out in front talking right, or there weren't right. people milling through the area. And they were all taking yeah. the clinics, and it was really, really cool. And the best thing about that was, other than the admission to get into the building, uh, to the show itself, um, they got all that for nothing. I mean, they got to do the okay. clinics, they got to see everything. And, you know, I know you, you were involved in making all that happen. Um, what is the future of, since we're, we're on that subject, what is the future of Craftsman Courtyard? As of this point, and what's coming up next? Sure. So, you know, the Craftsman Courtyard is in, was intended to be kind of exactly how you describe it. An opportunity for people to go to local, some of the bigger um, local train shows and kind of get a taste of a Craftsman kind of convention, Craftsman structure show type of a convention, but a little bit more low-key. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the idea. Uh, we wanted to consolidate the the large population of craftsman structure, craftsman uh, modeling vendors kind of into a, a common area. And then we wanted to offer some interesting things for people to come and see, like the contest table. Yeah. Uh, we have the clinic area, uh, just to, to kind of draw the attendance. So the, the other important thing, though, is we're trying to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can get carried away and, and try to get into a convention type thing, but that's a lot of work. And sure. if you try to do that more than once a year, then it's just a lot of work and it, it will tend to maybe not get as much interest. Right. So the way we're kind of structuring this is at a select number of shows through the year, we will present ourselves as the Craftsman Courtyard and we will invite the vendors to come and participate. And whoever shows up, shows up. And we won't necessarily do the contest table at every show. We won't necessarily do clinics at every show. But the collection of those vendors in one spot, we will try to start with that as a minimum. So we're doing that at each of the three Timonium shows, the the spring, the fall, and the winter. Right. Um, The fall was the the big one just because we had so much um, publicity for it. Right, we'll do absolutely. it again in May with Timonium, mm-hmm. uh, the first weekend in May. Uh, I'm not sure yet what the vendor uh, turnout will be, but I know that I've started to collect uh, vendor names, and it's it's looking pretty good so far. Well, I'll collect one then, from here. That's the beginning of May, right? Yeah. So you can uh, yeah, on the show. We'll tell May. you. I'll tell you right now. If if we can't both make it, I'll at least make it. I don't know if Brett can, but uh, the first weekend in May, I will come down and we will do that again. Cool. Sure. I will ask yeah, the, my boss. The vendor turnout. <laughs> the, ven- the vendor turnout is looking pretty good for that one. We're trying to do something uh, up in Springfield um, at the Amherst show, 
it's just it's really difficult for them to move vendors around because of sure. the you know the long-standing location placement. But there right. is more or less already established a central area up there with a bunch of craftsman vendors, and so that's that's kind of the the start of it, and that's been going on for probably two years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will continue to evolve that one. Mm-hmm. Um, We've talked, you know, we do a miniature version of it at the the show in Raleigh in November, just because some of us go to that show. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll have any others, but really Timonium and Springfield are the biggest shows kind of on the East Coast, and and those are the ones we'll target. I think that's awesome. I think it was, uh, we had a ball when we were there. We We wanted to come over and talk to, you know, Stephen on a little more in depth that while we were at the show, we had no time to get around and we were you know, around and talk. Yeah. I mean, we really were. And, but everyone and I, was, I saw everyone was busy. Had so. so much fun. We had a great time. We got to meet so many of our listeners there. Uh, but, uh, and we were shocked. We never had met any of you know, a lot of these people. Yeah. Uh, but and, and one of the things I like to do, is I like to shop a little bit myself. And <laughs> I got in the car after that show, and I told my wife, I said, I had no time to go walk around and, and shop for my own for my own stuff, which was fine, because that's why we went to begin with. Definitely. Um, people need to go check that out. And I know you were a big part of that. That's why I brought that up. I knew, you know. Yeah, so so um, I'm going to transition. We're about an hour into this uh, interview, and I want to transition over to our Patreon questions. So this is, uh, Stephen, if you're not from... Oh, cool. If you're not familiar with it, um, we have some listeners that uh, – we have listeners that are patrons of our show, and they have access to be able to ask us or our guests some questions. So we have, we just have a couple here lined up for you. Uh, a few of them seem like they are customers. So we promise – we you know, we know you asked earlier. There won't be any uh, – no, no negative uh, questions here. So we have them – we have uh, only good questions for you, I promise. Uh, but I can already hear. When are you going to be done with that kit? In, I, in I, I promise. None of our none. We we didn't even have to screen any of these. None of our listeners uh, were asking about uh, availability of certain kits or or being done with anything. But we did have one who was asking for kind of a, a inquiry on a new product and maybe a new product idea, uh, and that's from Andre. Mm-hmm. Andre asks. Um, well, he's first saying that you you do make very high end precise, precise laser cut components and parts, but would you consider manufacturing laser cutting various sizes of sliding barn doors for industries, garages, and large sheds? He's saying he would like to see a sheet with multiple single doors and a few with center parting sliding doors, including like the above sliding mechanisms that go with it. So have yeah. you are, are you thinking about that? Have you thought about that in the past or So actually Andre and I have traded some emails. Oh okay. And For you, so you're familiar. I think that Yeah, I as soon as you said the name, I was like, Oh, I know what Andre's <laughs> Um It was before my two week trip to Springfield and Timonium uh, in January, February, we had gone back and forth on some emails and I've actually started working on this. Very I'm cool. Working on a library, I call it a you know a library of product selection for rolling barn doors. The thing is, that I have some in some of my kits, and so that's a good starting point, right? Is to take them from the kits sure. that I've already got. 
and turn them into products that are available under the, the laser cut details section. Right. So I've started working on some of those already. Um, and I think I actually was probably doing the CAD work while I was sitting in the hotel room. up in Springfield, <laughs> yeah. uh, So, so Andre is and my, my comment back is it's in process and I love the idea because you're right. I didn't have any in my product lineup and I will be getting those out and I'll have them in all the scales and scale, cool. HO scale, F scale and O scale. Rolling awesome. barn doors, rolling doors like that are awesome. And they're not yeah. just for barns, yeah. they're for all warehouses. Yeah, they're any industry building. Ad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a very cool idea. And the key is, is that is that rolling that rolling hardware look. Yeah. If you can right. if you can really give that a nice distinctive look, then yep. uh, then that adds a lot to the structure. Right. I would agree with that entirely. Yep. All right. Um, going to our next question. I had to do some scrolling here. Okay. Have you recently re-released the RDA kits, which we talked about earlier? Are there any plans to add newly newly designed RDA kits to your selection? So are you planning on taking any that were already done and kind of re redoing any of them or kind of We already he already said he is. Well, he's going to do the 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 um what do you call it? Yeah, like the the add-on version. But so the one thing, and I'm going to add to this question. This was from Matthew Hankins, by the way. Um, it would be really cool not just to do the add-on where you can do some shingles or laser-cut windows for more detailed um, parts or more of the craftsman look. But have you have you considered maybe? Um, in a way, kit bashing or or adding on other laser cut components to make a larger building that included wood structures and plastic, kind of like a hybrid hybrid kit. So you're right on track. That was that's exactly some of the conversations that that Jeff Grove and I had okay. when we talked about RDA and what the outlook could be for that lineup. Okay. Um, there's a couple of aspects to it. One is Absolutely. How can I take the structure kit that already exists in plastic and add maybe an annex or an extension or an addition that is more like, uh, you know, the craftsman structure type portion of it and then either add it, offer it as a, an add-on or uh, create a whole new, you know, kit in a box that has some of the old plastic pieces and the new laser cut pieces together in the box. Right. That'd be a cool mashup. So then... And then the other idea um, is that some of these industry buildings, these mill buildings that they have, will look really great as, as uh, background flats. Definitely. So what I want to do is, is maybe take some of these um, and offer them as a kind of a, as a background flat and just the components you need to do that. And uh, I think those will sell well as, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's those are some of the ideas that, that I've had with that. What's the one kit? I'm trying to eBay it real quick because I their site's down right now. Um, dang it! It was a uh, a long. Was it brick or stone? It's a stone one, real long. Um, Fish, fisherman's co-op. Yes, fisherman's co-op. Yeah, that, that would be so cool. yeah. that would be a cool background kit. He has that one. I he know he. Well, I know he has that one. He has them so, now. So 
it's not a background. It's not a background kit yet. Right, right. Ah. But that's what I'm saying. That but one. That's the idea. Is to take that one and offer it as a background kit. That one. What's another one here? There's a longer brick one. So Freeman. There's Middleton Mills. There's yes. Easton. There's a few like that, but the first one that came to my mind was the um, the Fisherman's Co-op. That's a monster structure, and if you were able to yeah. kind of cut it in half in a way, that would be an awesome-looking background kit. So, yep, I agree. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's a that's a neat idea, and I like the uh, I like the idea of kind of offering a 2.0 version of some of these kits where you can add on and create more of a craftsman feel to them because on their own, they are some stellar kits and just adding, oh, yeah. a, adding a little bit of the, you know, our craftsman touch to them like you can do, um, would do a lot, uh, would take them even another whole nother mile. So, um, looks like our last question is from David Yale. Uh, this is also about the RDA kits. It seems like it's pretty. Uh, this is a pretty hot topic because everyone seems to know that you have your hands on them now. Um, right. David is asking. David is our three D. He's our three D printing guy. He's the. He's. Uh, we had him on our show back in the eighties. Eighties yep. episodes, I think. Yes. But um, you know, about thirty episodes ago, we had him on talking about three D printing. But he's asking. Uh, he has not. He's not afraid to do some plastic kits, he said, and uh, he has an urban scene and have almost bought an RDA kit off eBay several times, but heard some negative comments, um, which if you listen to our show, David, you've not heard them from here, as we talked about earlier, but uh, kind of, can you go through, um, I know you now have them, but kind of go through the pros and the plus sides of the RDA kits for David. Um, we've gone through them a few times, but do you kind of want to explain um, why you decided that RDA was a good brand for you to take on and uh, what you see as a positives with their plastic kits? Well, the, I, like I said before, I, I like the idea of broadening my my customer base, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I've heard some of the comments about RDA kits, and I think that in the craftsman world, I think you hear those kinds of comments about plastic kits in general. Yeah. Um, you know, similar to the comments you might hear about a DPM kit, you have to take care on how these things go together around the corners and at the seams. Right. It's, it's true. You have to um, prep them and you have to uh, test fit them and file and fit. And if you spend that time and, and put that effort into it, you're going to get a, a good uh, a good corner seam, and you're going to get good uh, end-to-end seams. Um, and then, in, like we talked about also, it's really about the painting and the weathering on these plastic kits. Sure. Um, and we, you know, you guys have interviewed some folks that have done amazing jobs with plastic kits. Mm-hmm. So we oh, all yeah. know it can be done. Right. Um, but... but the RDA kits are no different. You have to take care in the corners. Uh, you have to take care at the seams. Some of the comments about the windows not being fine enough detail and the roofing material not being, you know, quite what you'd see in a, in a craftsman kit. Well, that's why I want to offer the, the, the upgrades uh, got... accessories pack. So I, I think that I'm on the right track to make these kits more desirable to the, the craftsman customer, if you will. Um, 
but the look and feel of some of these old mill buildings that they have, they're just so cool. And, and people buy a lot of these kits, so it's not like people don't like them. Oh, no, they're real popular. Well, my dad's seen the one yeah. we have down here. The the Like we said earlier in the episode, the detail is not lacking in these plastic kits. They are... They are uh, v- you know what else is nice about them? And I'll... I'll kind of I'll kind of jump in on this one. Did you build it? What, I didn't build it. And and so the RDA kit I have, Stephen, uh, you're gonna laugh about this. So I purchased it probably four years ago now. Was that right, Bad? About right, Dad? I'll be about about right, four yeah. years ago. Um, the first one I did was the the Delaney Ironworks. I bought one of them, mm-hmm. right? The other one is still unassembled. I have two Delaney Ironworks because I want to. I want to now throw them together and to make one big, huge stone building. But anyways, um, the ironwork, the stonework on that is so deep and so uh, the detail is so well defined that you don't see that depth of detail in a lot of plastic molded kits. Um, and what I did the first time, it's almost exaggerated. Yeah, exaggerated. yeah, right. And and mm-hmm. and and using acrylic paints, I love to see that because, um, oftentimes with like I've done a couple DPMs. My dad's done a DPM. Um, you made that hotel, Dad. Oh, I've the, done a million. The problem sometimes years, so. that you see with these plastic injection kit, plastic molded injection kits is. Um, sometimes the brickwork or stonework is kind of shallow, and uh, if you use the wrong acrylic paint or you don't use a thinner acrylic paint, you can lose some detail pretty quick and um, not be able to put mortar in it or not be able to weather it correctly because it's kind of now filled in some of the cracks. But with the RDA kits, even the brickwork on some of the brick buildings that come with the Delaney structure um, or the, the Delaney kit, uh the brickwork and the stonework has, is is nice and deep, and it allows you to. Well defined. It allows you even to have a little bit of error to redo it, like I'm going to do. So I built it, Stephen, and then uh, like a year or two later, I wasn't happy with what I did the first time, and I pulled the whole kit apart, and now it's sitting. <laughs> it's sitting in a box again that it came in, um, ready to be remastered. So. Uh, I've learned, obviously, as all all of us do, as we build more and more and more, that I wasn't happy with the first time that I built it, and I have it now pulled apart and saved all the pieces. Everything's still there, but I pulled it apart, and I'm going to repaint the entire structure and re-weather everything, uh, and I want to actually hand-paint each stone. I want to get like four or five different colors and paint stone by stone uh, a varying color. Randomly. And that's cool. You can yeah. do that yeah. with those kits that you can't do with some other plastic kits. So, you know, but so. I just I commend the the depth of detail that is in those kits. And if I was, mm-hmm. I said it before. I've said it many times on the show before, and I said it before on this episode earlier. If I was ever going to recommend somebody to pick up uh, an awesome plastic kit structure, it would be an RDA kit, just because they're a heavy, nice, sturdy kit, and they have a lot of detail. So. Yeah. And they're pretty forgiving. Yeah, you, you mentioned the Delaney Ironworks, which that's one of their signature um, structure kits because the design is so unique. Uh-huh. That's another one that I want to make a background kit out of because with that over that upper level breezeway, oh yeah, would yeah. that look cool on a background? Are you talking? Oh, yeah, are you definitely. talking about the then, uh, 
the the breezeway or the walkway between the brick and the stone structure. Yeah. 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 yeah that would be. So I wanted I wanted to turn that into a, a background kit, you know, as well, and w- um, just but maintain that up that second level walkway. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a cool cool background. Oh, that would be real cool in the background. So. I'll give you this real quick one. That was the last of our patron questions, by the way. But um, my idea when I bought the second Delaney kit, Stephen, was to uh, to make the stone structure two stone structures long. Yeah. And I might have to. I think I'm going to have to yeah. do a little bit of creative editing on them to sand. I'm going to have. To, I'm going to trim one wall down so it matches kind of seamlessly. Uh, I found a. I found yeah. a section where I can work it in so it'll look seamless where I can combine the two walls. But I want to make the stone structure too long two buildings long and then do a Mm -hmm. do the connector off of the it'll be kind of shaped like a t so the one end the long end will have uh uh the connector the walkway the breezeway over to the brick structure and then in the middle of my structure on the long side i want to throw the other walkway over to a to the other similar shaped brick structure um so it's kind of it'll be shaped like a like a T basically with a with with a short cool. bottom if you want to call it with the T. So it'll be it'll be diff- like a capital T with a short uh, the short middle section basically. Cool. Yeah, but, I mean that's the good thing about these structures is they're they're very easy to kit bash into other other designs. Oh yeah. And now also didn't if I don't recall correctly correct me on this brett uh, didn't this didn't those kits come with like a ton of extra detailed parts and things oh yeah there's there's yeah. a whole there's like two full sheets of like barrels and crates and and that's amazing hand trucks that's, and, you don't get that with other kits no nah, there was a boatload of details that came with it too yeah yeah but yeah i, I still drop those in all the all these kits that i'm that I'm repacking. Uh, that that detail set of uh, detail screw goes in every kit. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Got chimneys and drums and sacks and freight docks <laughs> and definitely yeah. the um, the amount of roof, roof vents. Yeah, I was gonna say the amount of roof vents that came with those kits was astonishing. There was a ton. So actually, yeah. there were so many that I was able to um, cover the amount that I needed for the roof the roof fence for my structures that I built. And then I still had like half a dozen or more left over that didn't even didn't even have a spot on the roof of the kit that I built that I used for other buildings elsewhere. So yeah. I had plenty of leftovers as well, was which was really rare. And don't get me wrong, if, if you want more detail parts, you go to you know Stephen's site, and uh, he's got laser cut crates and laser cut um, you know. Uh, different size boxes and all kinds of pallets and everything. Yeah, all day long I laser cut this thing. (laughs) (laughs) All these plastic injection molded walls and and detail pieces, RDA used to offer them as individual um, for individual sale as well. So kit bashers could grab them and whatnot and do what they want. My yeah. plan is to get that stuff out on the website so that you know you can buy a half a dozen stone walls and do whatever you want with them. Um, it's just one of the things I haven't got up on my website quite yet. That's a brilliant idea. Right. Well, that is super cool. I mean, that that, that alone is going to be 
yeah. the, the the possibilities with that are, are endless. So right. very cool. So well Okay. Yeah, that kinda I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to kinda pump in here, Steven? Um Is there no, anything I mean, new I on really... the horizons? Or I mean you've you're pretty busy. You got your hands pretty full as we as we speak right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I mean <laughs> not that we're asking you to do any more than you already are. <laughs> you're not taking over no. Bachman or anything. Next week, you know? No, no, no. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Just Walders, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But the, I mean, the biggest challenge. I was gonna say the biggest challenge for me is to is to make the time to get these rusty stumps kits and these RDA kits uh, re-released. Re, what I'm calling remastered and re-released. Uh, it's just um, it's it's finding time to do that while I'm still just cutting things on the laser all day long. Right. I have, uh, you know, I, like I said, I have an, a, an arrangement with Jeff at Carolina Craftsman uh-huh. kit to do his kits in end scale. And I have a half a dozen of those on my list of things to do. Um, I've got some custom structures that people are waiting for. Some of those I'll be able to turn into kits that will be available for sale to, to anybody. Right. Um, I've got a lot of cool stuff that I'm working on. So, you know, the best thing to do is just keep an eye out. And I know, you know I, I don't do a newsletter um, just because I, I don't have the technical expertise to figure out how to do a newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an IT guy by any means, um, but uh, I would like to be able to do a newsletter and have, you know, what's, what's new and coming soon type announcements. Right. I just haven't gotten around to doing that. Well, I do know one thing. Uh, we can con- people can get in touch with you um, through your email or through your. Uh, I contacted you through Facebook. Um, uh, I know I expressed some interest in a couple different kits that I know. Uh, once you have available, you said you would be reaching out to um, people who have expressed interest. So I'm sure that offer is still open to anybody right. who is still looking for the RDA kits that are now harder to find because of the um temporary lapse in in production because of the takeover but um you know if if someone were to contact you like i did and you know you told me a few other people did um you would be able to notify them when those kits are reavailable are available again i mean so yeah basically i've been doing i've been releasing the rda kits based on requests uh, so I take them in kind of sequence of who's requesting them, and then those will be the next ones I work on mm-hmm. just to to work through the assembly instructions, get them packed up, and re-released. That's right. been my approach. So if people are interested in something, then shoot me an email to my, my RailScaleModels at Yahoo.com email address, and um, and then I'll just get that on the list, you know, in the sequence that I get requests. Right. Well, oh, cool. I know I've I've put my name on that list and uh, I'm excited to and I know you're busy I'm not expecting them anytime in the near future not near future I you know what I mean uh, I'm not pressuring you at all but but uh, you've got your hands full with plenty going on right now but uh, if anyone else is interested in that I'm sure uh, if there's interest in, interest in any of the other kits uh, you can do some some smaller batches like you said and get those pumped out but right. um, the, there's one last thing I want to ask you about. And I'm intrigued, and then we'll, we can let you off the hook tonight. Um, you have a loyalty points system on your website. 
Can you kind of explain that for anyone who's not familiar with how your loyalty point system works? Because that's it's not something you see on everyone's on everyone else's um, kit sites. Yeah, so I, I inherited this from from Walt at Rusty Stumps. He had this program in place, and basically, it's um, every ten dollars you spend, you get credit. Of every ten dollars, you get fifty cents. Um, in, in loyalty point savings on future purchases. Uh-huh. So, you know, you spend some money and you accumulate loyalty points and then you can claim it as a reduction in price on future purchases. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, people use it. I mean, it's, you make an account on my website and it keeps track of all your purchases and, and the loyalty points that go with it. And then you can redeem them in future purchases. So no, it's awesome. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. But, it's uh, it's a nice way for people to you know get an automatic discount just based on on being a return customer. Yeah, it's it's five oh, cents yeah. five cents on the oh, dollar. Yeah. So so That's it's kind of exactly it it's kind of like if your if your state if your state is charging six uh, percent sales tax or five percent sales yeah. tax or whatever you know you're getting you're getting that that uh, that five cents back on the dollar eventually you'll have yeah it's like it's like the discover card yeah it's something like that it's steven's own it's steven's own program like that so i know it's very cool um you know it's something that it's something that you probably forget about once you order once or twice or three times from your site but then you come back later to order something and you're going oh dang i got i have five or ten dollars worth of worth of points i can use towards my next thing to buy and just save ten bucks so and go to his website, please, everybody. It's rail-scale-models.com. Mm-hmm. Check it out. There's there are a, how-to articles on there. We have a link for and, it in our show description. Yeah. And they're, they're really it's really, really cool. There is a ton of product. Uh, I mean, there is something relatively new. I, uh, I actually was shown this last week by um dave cruiswick sent me a private message and you know dave i guess uh oh yeah steven okay well he sent me your your rooftop hvac system oh yeah and I'll i'll be honest with you i've seen a lot of hva systems for hs scale and other you know model scales and you have it in ho s and o scale it is that's right without a doubt Coolest, badass-looking HVAC <laughs> system thing I've seen. It is really, really. It is super detailed. I love it. Um, yeah. it it's a really neat system. I'm probably gonna have to get on. <laughs> also, before I'm glad we you brought that up, no, go go ahead. Can I just touch on that real quick? Yeah, go for it. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the items that, that that Walt at Rusty Stumps had been continuing to produce. As, as under his 3D printed business, uh-huh. and so I'm getting those supplies from Walt still, um, okay. you know, in, until he cuts me off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he, you know, he's not he's not open for business anymore. But he and I work closely together, so he's still providing some of these things for me. And I just really wanted to continue to have this available to the modeling community because it's such a cool little system, All right? And just yesterday and today, Walt and I have been scheming back and forth on email that he is 
he and I are going to work to develop another version Ooh. of an HO scale HVAC system with a different HVAC unit and a different uh, duct layout. What's, oh, that's, what's, so, what's cool that's about so that? Cool. What's cool about that is you can take a pretty ordinary structure with a flat roof and turn it yeah. into something uh, cooler. You can take a you can take you can take an otherwise pretty boring and ordinary she part of another a, dimension. Yeah, you're taking a pretty ordinary part of a structure and adding a whole another scene on top. You know, it's it's yeah. it's very cool. So, uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, we talked about you doing N scale stuff, H O S and O scale, but you also do stuff for um, one twenty one one twenty to scale, which is I guess called T T scale. Uh, yeah. Double O, one thirty fifth and G scale stuff. So you have plenty of other yeah. things, which I'm I'm I don't know as if they're as popular, but they're there. Right, the the one to thirty five scale and the one to twenty five scale. I do have quite a few orders in those two larger scales. Um, I don't think I've ever had anybody order the TT stuff. Uh, that again came from the Rusty Stumps history, where at one okay. time he he did have customers asking for that. Anything that I develop that's new in some of those larger scales, it's by request. Okay, um, and I do get requests. Hey, I need some windows and doors that look like this, so I'll design them up. I'll send them to that customer, and then I'll convert them into products on the website. Gotcha. And I, I do actually sell quite a few G scale windows and doors, and um, yeah, it's it's kind of people a, that are building structures. It's tough to find uh, custom laser cut, larger scale stuff from from what we've heard from our listeners. So, um, I'm sure you, yeah. I'm sure you field a bunch of requests for um, custom made uh, G scale stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a big part of my business is to just be available for, for those custom requests. Nice. Um, well, I think that's uh, about a wrap. Yeah. I'm getting about ready to uh, call it a night myself. I'm, <laughs> I'm about ready to hit the here. bed. But, uh, but uh, we were on there for a good hour and 40 minutes. So Yeah. So we appreciate your time tonight, Stephen. Yes. Um, I do uh, want to touch base with you probably after the show maybe tomorrow or another day about uh some ideas i had with you which i kind of talked about um back in the before the holidays for a couple scratch builds so i encourage everyone to uh head on over to rail-scale-models.com check out what, what they have here um i mean there's a just a ton of stuff so uh, and, and, and we'll put the link up in the show description. The link will be in the show description. But um, right. we appreciate your time tonight, Stephen. And um, as always, it was it was awesome to talk to you. I know we met you a couple times before, and I'm finally glad we were able to get you on our, our podcast and kind of give us the history of everything you've been working on. Well, I appreciate you guys inviting me. Good talking with you guys. And, hey, and before you, know, you go, mm-hmm. one of the features on the show... Um, Uh-oh. is a bullhorn, and we talk oh, about yeah. new products and yeah. such. So in the future, please, you always seem to have new stuff popping up. Okay, when you got new things, send us a message. Way, we're gonna we'll put it we'll put it on the show. Say hey, you know here's what RailScale <laughs> Models has got. Boom, boom. You know here's the HVAC. Here is some new laser cut windows. Let us know. We'll pop yeah. it on. That's what it's about. Definitely. And, oh, and that awesome. goes for any manufacturer. Yep. Yep. 
You bet. So, all right, cool. all right Stephen. Well, thank you for you joining it. us tonight, and uh, we do appreciate your time. I know we took a, <laughs> we had to take a second take in the very beginning there because my daughter decided it was funny to turn off the modem. So I appreciate you hanging with me on that one. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you for being on. Nice, Stephen. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Yep. Later. All right. That was an awesome interview with Stephen Milley. So thanks, Stephen, for coming on. We're going to wrap up this week's episode with the bullhorn segment. That's our part of the show where we do some announcements from manufacturers. Uh, Anyone, really. could be from a listener to a manufacturer, whatever you want to talk about. So this week we have some announcements from Jeff at Motrack Models, so you can check out what he's got to offer at MotrackModelsUSA.com. But Jeff sent us some cool stuff here. He updated the paint rack that he has, which is similar to the workbench organizer that I did a YouTube video on about a month or two ago. Uh, it is a paint rack which holds 21 or 28 for bottles of acrylic paint, uh, just the standard acrylic paint bottles, the little two ounce ones. But depending on how you you build it, you can either do it with 21 or 28 bottles. Uh, in addition to that, he sent me a preview of a new kit, which I don't know much about yet, but it's a pretty cool looking kit. It looks like a little tiny uh, takeout lunch container, like the, the cardboard containers you get Chinese food in, but it's a uh, it's called the Clam Box. It's a little, <laughs> uh, it's a neat looking structure, um, but it looks like a little lunch box kind of thing. So look out for that from Motrack Models USA. Dot com. In addition to that, the uh, we got a little bit of a listener mail from uh, a, a listener named Andre, who's also a patron. He is suggesting that we have a few different new tools uh, that go along with our toolbox talk of the week or our, our tool uh, suggestion of the week. So I'm going to actually take what Andre wrote me and turn it into a blog post on our website. So as you're listening to this podcast, you can see the three different tools that Andre had suggested that um, I share with you guys. So one of them is two pieces of angled steel that help you to create perfect angles while you're trying to assemble your buildings, whether you're doing bracing or you're doing walls. The next one was a tool color. The next tool is a color palette. Uh, And he's explaining how he used a piece of scale lumber to create a color palette to show paints as they dried and and the actual colors of paint. That way you're not looking at them through a bottle. And the last one is um, a small stick with a bunch of X's on it and a round dowel with a pin. And I won't go into too much detail about it because I want you to read the blog post about it that Andre wrote to me that I'm kind of translating over to you guys for our tools of the week from our listeners. And our last shout-out goes to Crescent Creek Models with Dave Meek and Jake Johnson, who we recently just received a little care package from. And uh, we got some stencils for the road and railroad crossings, the stop sign and railroad crossing stencils we were giving away for a while. Um, They are back in stock at CrescentCreekModels.com. So uh, head on over to their store. You can check out what they have available for their stencils at Crescent Creek Models. Uh, In addition to that, we got a cool little kit. And uh, I won't go into too much because I'm going to make a diorama out of that. Um, But it's an O-scale kit. So uh, for you guys looking uh, at us to do a little bit different work in different scales, I have an O-scale kit that I'm going to be working on, which should be a lot of fun because it's going to be a very unique build as well. So thank you, Dave and Jake, for sending us those little um, goodies in the mail. I just got them today. But 
that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for joining in with us this weekend, and I hope you guys have an awesome weekend and build some really cool shit.